medium of exchange. Let's get get on to the meat of the episode. Okay, if you remember what medium medium of exchange is, is basically the idea that you have one thing that has, you know, can be, uh, have multi-vector valuation. So you can trade it in for a pack of cards or some cigarettes or a car or house, you know, whatever. It has, we've designed money to be able to be a medium of exchange. So one central sort of, you know, omnidirectional infinite vector valuation system that you can just trade for just about anything. That's the entire idea behind it, right? Okay, so that is what medium of exchange is. Now, before we get going, I want to make a quick and crucial point. Medium of exchange, medium of exchange and store of value both share several issues that come back to kind of the core problem when looking at it from a thermodynamics perspective. So just just so you're aware, I'm okay, I'm going to kind of barely touch on a couple of things that have to do with store of value today. And when I get to store of value, I'm going to talk about things that I didn't talk about today, but that touch on the medium of exchange. Just so you're aware that that is the situation. Um, the things I talk about today that touch on store of or uh, store of value are really mostly have to do with medium of exchange and vice versa, just so you know, but there's actually quite a bit of crossover but because I need to make the episode separate and, ah, you know, so I'm, I, I tried to kind of separate it as much as possible without losing any sort of, you know, substance to the argument or what I'm talking about. Okay. Now, theoretically, money is a universal platform for exchange. That's the whole, not the whole point, but that is one of the three main points of money, right? Ah, duh. Okay, now from the perspective of the laws of thermodynamics, medium of exchange gets us into a bit of trouble. And let me explain this because, (sighs) you guys, I had a really hard time. One of the reasons this took so long to get this out was because I had a really hard time trying to find a way to explain this. I could see it in my mind, I knew what I was saying in my mind, but like there really wasn't any (laughs) real world uh, comparison or metaphor that I could really pin it on. So (sighs) I've got to say this was one of the most frustrating episodes that, that I had to try to figure out how to really relay this to the audience. But... I got it. Okay. So the medium of exchange gets us into this kind of (sighs) 
see, now I'm stuck again. It gets us into this sort of slow decay without us realizing what's happening. And this is one of those points that's actually really quite heavily tied to store of value. So I'm going to leave a lot of the depth of this out and we're going to go back over this, not next episode, but the one after. But um, just mentioning it here, we're going to dive into this later, but yeah, just so you know, that kind of, we'll, we'll touch on this in the fourth episode, but just so you know, it gets us into some trouble here thermodynamically, like big time. Okay. Uh, so we're going to dive, the, dive into this a lot deeper in the store of value episode, but the largest problem with the medium of exchange is that there is no exchange in nature. And you can say, okay, so what? That, you know, how, why does that make it a problem? Well, we're getting there. I just put words in your mouth, but <laughs> follow me. We're going to get to this in a second. There is no exchange in nature. Everything is a flow. Energy Second law of thermodynamics, right? Entropy always increases. Energy comes from a high or a low entropy system. And as entropy increases, as it releases energy and distributes it, and other systems receive that, that energy. And as energy flows through the system, entropy is increased through that system until it is excreted in whatever many forms it energy can be excreted from the earth. It's going to be electromag electromagnetic radiation. But the problem, the basis of the problem with the medium of exchange is that in the universe, in nature, there is no exchange. Energy, you know, so much energy and so much energy isn't you know, they don't trade hands. They don't say, here, I'll give you this much energy for that much matter. That, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. You're always going to have an increase in entropy. And you never have any kind of exchange like that happening. So why is that a problem? Well, in nature, there's just this flow, right? There's this thermodynamic flow of entropy, you know, increasing and the energy flowing and there's never any form of tangential exchange. It's just not something that happens in nature. Okay, so, like I said before, why is this a problem? Okay, I've had, as I said earlier, a bit of a time coming up with a good metaphor for this. And I decided the best way to really explain this is with Zeno's paradox. <laughs> this... God, I hope this isn't hard to follow. If this is too hard to follow, let me know. I'll try to find a better way to explain this. But this is the only way I've been able to come up with to really explain why medium of exchange hurts us as, as an idea for what money is. Okay. Now, we're going to sort of jump into kind of this 
logical, meta-mathematical landscape, which when I go back and write the paper, this is going to be really, really difficult for me to prove this because it's just kind of this intuitive logic so far. I mean, there's logic to it and you'll see what I'm talking about, but to really pin it down with numbers is going to be difficult. So for now, we're going to lean on metamathematics, kind of the, the metamathematical intuition of logic really is kind of where we're going with this. Now, if you're not familiar with Zeno's paradox, I highly recommend you uh, look it up, watch some videos, read some articles, get a good handle on, on what it's talking about. There's multiple aspects to it, and there's different ways you can kind of attack this. Hopefully, I'll be able to be able to persuade you that merely having a medium ink exchange is kind of flies in the face of really everything. <laughs> Okay, so Zeno's Paradox. And it's not just Zeno's Paradox, it's other similar, similar problems. You'll see what I'm talking about in just a second here. Um, these were, Zeno's Paradox was designed previous to calculus. Not designed, it was thought of previous to really kind of the, the oncome of calculus. And so Zeno's Paradox and, and several other kind of thought experiments and, and philosophical sort of issues of, of this type were kind of this unscalable, un, undefeatable, just paradox that, that really didn't make any sense. And nobody really understood why it was there or, or how to really kind of like, you know, make sense of it in, in any way that, that would have any merit or have any usefulness to us. Okay, now, as I've mentioned multiple times now, uh, the universe's fundamental method for distribution is the thermodynamic flow of energy. And, you know, in that, in that flow, in that river of energy, you have the increase of entropy, just kind of almost like, like it's wake, I guess. I don't know, maybe they just kind of perpetuate together, I guess but you never have exchange anywhere, <laughs> ever. Quick side note, if it appears to you that exchange actually exists somewhere out there in some form, I would encourage you to review whatever, you know, whatever that is that you think that is actually um you know some sort of exchange happening and i can guarantee you that after sufficient analysis of whatever system you're thinking of you will realize that it is not exchange that it is actually you know just it might look like exchange happening but it is not it is the flow of the entropic flow and the flow of energy and just how the universe is working. There, there's no exchange happening. I promise you. I guarantee it. There is no exchange happening anywhere. 
Ooh. Maybe. Maybe Hawking radiation. But. No. No, that's still, that's still an increase in entropy. Yeah, no, there's no exchange. I can guarantee it. <laughs> Last second thought pops into my mind. Yeah, great. Thanks, Stephen. Okay, now by using a system, a medium of exchange, we are incurring two major issues. First, we're divorcing ourselves from, like we're di mentally divorcing ourselves from the thermodynamic flow of energy and the increase of entropy in, in the universe. And this is... <sighs> I would argue that this is a bad thing, that this is dangerous. And we're going to kind of get to that in a second. And again, this is still like just... <sighs> Quick reminder, okay, I'm not throwing this out there as fact. All of my videos up until now really are, are hypotheses. And I am going to have to go back through and write papers and figure out every little thing on my way. And if I hit a brick wall, if I've screwed up, I'm going to have to redo a video or I'm going to have to, you know, proclaim it or I'm just going to have to drop the, if it's a, a big enough screw up, I'm going to have to drop the entire project. But... This is all hypothesis at this point, okay? Just putting that out there so you know I'm not proclaiming anything. This is a logically constructed hypothesis. So, the actual work to prove it and the papers that I have to write come later. And that's the hard part, <laughs> okay? But this is, this is where we're going right now, okay? Okay. Um, so the first thing is, right, okay, we're divorcing ourselves mentally from, from the flow, from the actual flow. And it, man, the best way to describe this is with an iceberg, I guess, okay? Say reality is this big ocean and we're just kind of floating out there in the sea and every time we see an iceberg kind of pop up, not that they pop up in reality, but I guess maybe if they're break off from something. But what I'm trying to say here is that we see kind of this iceberg, this head pop up and, and we recognize it as being something that is valuable to us. It's like if there's this entire ocean of, of, of mechanical waves, you know, just waves coming up and down. And what we do as humans under our, you know, currency-based economy is we go out and seek the wave, the crests that, that we consider to be of value. And we are ignoring everything else. So we're just kind of looking for the tops of these things, like, like the apple, right? My favorite example, right? You have the apple, the blossom, it starts to bud, it turns into a little hard ball, it grows and gets bigger and bigger and becomes an apple, okay? That temporally, that, that rise to becoming an apple, all right? That's kind of the wave I'm talking about. Then when it crests, it's the apple. 
Then when it starts to decay, that's coming back down. We want to catch things as they're as they're peaking at their crest, right? That's what we do. That's that's kind of how we've trained ourselves to to see reality. We we look for the peaks of what we consider to be of value, and we go in for the harvest. Okay. Now, the second issue is, and this is kind of kind of come back to Zeno's paradox, is that once we see something of value and, and we see a peak appear, we go in and we just, we harvest a snapshot. I'm sorry, I'm, I've been trying so hard to try to put this into words. We go in and we harvest a snapshot, okay? So we have this super dynamic, crazy universe that is just roiling with, you know, waves of all sorts, you know, I guess really actually waves of all sorts, but in this context, right, we're talking about like value waves, I guess, is what we could kind of call this. And so we're looking for things that are, that are peaking, right? And then we just go in for the harvest. And when we go in for the harvest, we take a snapshot. It's like we're taking a thin little slice of that wave just and pulling it out. The second we make an exchange, that's what we're doing. We're, we're just taking a snapshot of this one little thin slice of that wave, and that's the value. And then we make the exchange, and then that's it. Then we're done with that wave, and we don't look at it again. We don't think about it again. We have our dollar bill. We're good. Okay? That's a problem. We have so completely divorced ourselves from the entire, from the just immensity of the ocean of of interplay that is happening before us that we're losing a lot of what is happening and okay i'm let me explain this oh my god this is why this was so hard for me to get this episode going because i was having such a hard time like (laughs) coming up with this okay so we're literally taking kind of this like momentary snapshot of just what it is in that moment and then that's that's the value and then that's what we're selling it for and that's what we hold at that value okay until you know a week goes by and the apples start going bad and then we you know put them on sale for half off or whatever okay problem Now, when we get to store value, I'm going to argue that this leads to waste, and it does. But for now, I'm going to argue that by fishing these peaks and and harvesting kind of these snapshot slices, we're missing out on an insane amount of beneficial information in the system, in the natural system. Okay, psychologically, we see money as the center of value. Like we have been born and raised and we've grown up to see money as sort of like the central housing kind of symbol of what value is. Now, we watch the markets, okay, the markets rise and, and fall and rise and fall, you know, and then the, and the 
undulating rhythm of different you know markets and whatever but we're ignoring the thermodynamic flow of what's happening behind the scenes and it's like we're do you see what i'm saying we're just kind of tunnel vision from not tunnel vision plane vision i guess right so we've got the sea of things happening and things are peaking every now and then and we have kind of this 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 plane where we're just looking for things that just pop up through our pretend plane of value and the seconds there we go harvest grab a slice and then it keeps going but we got our slice who cares about what the rest of this big crazy ocean down here is doing all i want are my little peaks of value okay so no right i mentioned zeno's paradox I'm sorry if this is confusing. This is the best way I could think of to explain this. Okay, remember, many of the issues that Zeno's paradox evoked at the time, we had algebra. Okay, we had algebra, we had some trigonometry, but we did not have calculus. So we couldn't figure out a vast number of the problems that were evoked by Zeno's paradox and several other philosophical issues that, that people were wondering about. Okay, Zeno's paradox basically asked the question, at what point is something moving or not moving, right? So it's kind of a measurement problem. It says, if I move one step to the right, Okay, left to you, I guess. It means I must first have had to have moved to here. I must first have had to move halfway from the left to the right. And in order to get there, I must first have had to hit the center point between there and there. And to get here, I must first have had to hit the center point between here and where I started from. And you keep going halves and halves and halves and halves. And it's this infinite regress into, into just, you know, nonsense. And you, you know, it, before calculus, you would have had, had to had, you know, come to the conclusion that something's wrong. There, this is a paradox. Motion is not even possible. How, how is this happening? But, so that's kind of the, the, cut it in half perspective. That, that's one way you can look at Zeno's paradox. The other way you can look at Zeno's paradox is the, free, the freeze frame perspective, okay? And this leads into calculus, okay? If you took a picture of a bullet and you had a very, very fast, you know, camera and you took a still shot of it as it was passing and as you develop the image, your camera is so freaking awesome and perfect, that there's no blur or anything. You just see a picture of a bullet sitting in midair. Well, you would have to ask yourself, how, how is it that this has motion? Like if we're just looking at one single frame of reality, you know, frame of time or whatever, the bullet's not moving, where is the motion even coming from? There, there's, 
How do we even know it's moving? What, what about that one little slice of time tells us or tells reality or tells anything that the bullet in the next frame needs to be, needs to still be moving? That's kind of where this comes down to. And with, at the time, with all the algebra and trig that we had, there was no way to really like <laughs> resolve this problem until calculus rolled around. Okay. And then we have, you know, limits and we have integrals and we can, we can, you know, we can take a limit and figure out that, you know, it's, it's not a series of single snapshots. It's a flow. Hence the whole point of what I'm talking about. Everything is part of the entropic flow. You don't, you can't get away from it. You can't get out of it. That is what is causing all of this. It is how the whole universe works. So, what I'm trying to say here is that using money in that snapshotty way that we've been using it for thousands of years now is the wrong way to even look at anything. We're trying to see the peaks that we want and take little snapshots of it and use that as our system of resource allocation and distribution. That's ridiculous. We are literally trying to use algebra and trigonometry to solve a calculus problem. I mean, I guess that's what we do, but you know what I'm saying, without calculus. We're trying to solve a calculus problem without calculus. <sighs> am, I, am I coming across here? Are you, do you understand what I'm saying? We're trying to describe a system that can only be described with calculus with algebra. That's what I'm trying to say. And we're trying to use something as a method of, of exchange, a medium of exchange that can't be like you, it has a breakdown and we're going to hit that breakdown pretty hard in the fourth episode. Using money as a medium of exchange divorces us from the natural entropic flow. Period. It just does. Do you see what I'm saying? Why is this so hard to explain? If somebody gets what I'm trying to say and has a better way of explaining this, please, please email me so I can make an addendum to this video and call out your name and thank you with a dozen roses because I'm... A, I know what I'm saying, but I'm having such a hard freaking time getting this across. Media of exchange in a currency-based economy. No, no, no. Okay. Let's do it this way. The STEM ep economy is to capitalism and a currency-based economy as calculus is to algebra. Does that make sense now? Oh, I hope you guys are understanding what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying, and I know that, like, 
some of you are going to get what I'm saying, but I know I'm just losing like a good portion of you. And I, if I'm losing you, I'm so sorry. That's what I'm trying to say. But in any case, doesn't it feel slightly absurd to that we're proclaiming with money and with medium of exchanges as, you know, one of the functions of money as, as the best way to, or our, what we are doing. It's our way of handling things and doing that using money and using a, you know, money as specifically as the three functions of money, you know, medium exchange, um, store of value and, and, uh, uh, unit of account it's like saying that we know better than to adhere to the laws of physics this is going to catch up with this it's already catching up with this of course it's already catching up with this and i'm going to expand on that much more in the fourth episode because it's much easier to attack from from that perspective i attack to you know, unfold and reveal what I'm talking about. This is just a very, for some reason, it's just difficult to, to really, I, I apologize. This is the best I can do right now. I hope it's good enough. I hope you get you know what I'm saying. I hope everybody understands what's going on here. Ah. But yeah, we're basically saying we know better than physics. We know better than the universe. We are going to do our own thing. We've got our own little system going up here. And we're just, we're just kind of like vultures. We're coming down, hitting the waves and, and taking out slices from the waves and keeping this little system going around up here when everything else is going that way. And, you know, the amount of energy it takes to keep this circulation happening is ridiculous. It's, it's this self-defeating cycle. The crazy thing is is that the universe supplies so much energy and so much just power that we are wasting most of it, keeping this little money thing spinning. Yet there is so much still left over that we have actually built a society out of it and progressed scientifically to where we are now that that is how much of the resources that, you know, or how much energy the universe supplies us. It's, it's just crazy to me. We're wasting so much of it, though, just keeping the system <laughs> in, in, you know, in service. But... Yeah, so the universe has a sea of calculus that we are utterly avoiding, and we think we know better with, you know, addition of subtraction up here, and we're, you know, pulling slices and, you know, $2.99, $3.99, you know, and this whole dynamic sea is just roiling with, like, just the, the entropic flow of everything just doing its thing, and we're... we're Sitting at our, you know, cashier cashier station and, and typing that's twelve dollars. Like, 
it's just it's so crazy to me that we're still in such a mental rut. Anyway, I am so sorry if you have watched this and you still have no idea what I'm talking about. That That's the best I can do right now. I will try to come up with a better way. And if anybody has a better way to really explain this, seriously email me because I have just been pulling my hair out over this episode, having the hardest time breaking this down and like turn it into something that I can <laughs> deliver to the public. But the other two functions of money are much easier. So that's something to look forward to. Um, all right. So that's it for today. If I've confused you, please email me and you can even call me and I will, I will spend an hour with each person. No, maybe I can't spend an hour, but I will try to explain it to you. If you have not understood anything I said, um, I hope you do though. I hope, I hope, I hope I, I've made this clear enough. If not, listen again and then call me. I don't know what to tell you, man. I've tried to, I don't know what to tell you. I've really tried my best with this one. <sighs> Thank you for listening. Um, the next two functions of money are going to be much easier to understand. You have my word. Um, but uh, yeah. Thank you for supporting <sighs> STEM Prime Research Cast and the AI STEM Drive effort. And uh, please like, share, and subscribe if you're ready for a better world. Better, Betty, Bettier world, Bettier world. If you're ready for a better world, let's just do this and see if this is possible. If this is possible, we need to switch our vector of attack. We need to switch directions and just rethink how we see distribution and the allocation of resources. It's just, if, if my hypothesis is correct, we need to re revamp everything like we do, or we're going to be stuck in this rut Post-scarcity is not possible in a currency-driven economy. I'm so, so almost certain of this, and I will... Okay, that is opinion, yes, but I'm almost certain of it. And I will get to a point where I will break this down and do a whole thing with it and see if I can figure it out, but I'm, I'm pretty sure post-scarcity is not possible under a currency-driven economy and exchange-driven. <sighs>